Support for WPR comes from the Jewelers Workshop, offering repair and restoration services including on-site laser welding for gold, platinum, and titanium pieces at 2110 Atwood Avenue and at jewelersworkshop.com. The ongoing saga of scarcity in our unsightly empty store shelves. It began with the terror of potentially running out of toilet paper, but the news stories and social media anecdotes of shortages have not stopped. Not yet, anyway. From turkeys to chicken wings, cream cheese to champagne, lumber, computer chips, juice boxes, cat food, Girl Scout cookies. Let's investigate. What have you found to be in short supply, and why do you think that may be? Join us, 1-800-642-1234, email ideas at wpr.org. Our guest, Jake Dean, he is the director of the Granger Center for Supply Chain Management at UW-Madison. Jake, good morning. Good morning interested in this because we've been talking about it since the outset of the pandemic, but also I'm curious of where we are today. We've been dealing with supply chain disruptions for more than a year, and over the pandemic, these problems have ebbed and flowed at times. Where does it stand this morning? Well, that's an interesting question because I think from from an overall perspective, we stand not too badly. I mean, I think that there are some very very noticeable shortages in certain things, and I'm sure many listeners and and you yourself may have um, be experiencing something that you want but you can't get. But but, I mean, I think overall, if you go into a store, it's remarkably full given how much disruption and how much uncertainty we've been dealing with for almost the last two years at this point. So I, I think there's a lot of doom and gloom um, that you can hear about. And, and you know, you mentioned some, some targeted shortages there and, you know, ending with Girl Scout cookies that I read about the other day. <laughs> Um, but I think overall, we're not doing too bad. Now, behind the scenes, that's a different story. Uh, the people I talk to who are leading supply chains, they're not sleeping, those people, because the, all the stuff they're having to do to make it so we can go into the store and get the stuff we want, that's a lot of work. But um, I, I think from an overall consumer perspective, it isn't quite as bad as I think many people would like to believe. So the supply chain management expert at the UW-Madison Dranger Center for Supply Chain Management, he sees, you know, uh, from the store shelves, he sees a relatively full stock. But from behind the scenes, you, uh, you see a, a very busy hustle and bustle trying to uh, overcome any sort of gaps. It gives us the opportunity to maybe reset a little bit and give us an idea of how you see, Jake, the supply chain and how you view supply chain disruptions. Well, and I'm trying to come at it from an optimistic perspective because I, I, I do, um, as part of my job, teach younger people about supply chain. So I want to be I want to be positive about it. Um, I mean, I see it. If you, you think about what a supply chain is, it is everything involved in making and moving something. And if you consider everything that's sitting around you right now, all that stuff was somewhere. And at a certain point was raw materials and it had to get to where it is now in your house or in your workplace or in your car or, or wherever. And that's a pretty complicated thing to manage. So that's how I think about supply chain. And the difficult part of it is that all of those pieces aren't necessarily directly related. You know, you buy something from your supplier, but do you really have too much impact or control over what they do? In most cases, the answer is no. So all this stuff coming together and um, getting us the stuff that we want these days and, and, and making those store shelves full is, I think, quite an achievement given the disruption and the variability we've been seeing. Uh, and I want to clarify that I have been able to procure some Girl Scout cookies, so I will be good there going forward. <laughs> I think it's just it's one particular variety that I read about the other day. That, yeah, that, but that I, I saw the with. story and I immediately went to work to identify all the parents of Girl Scouts that I know. So I'm going to be okay. But Jake, from your perspective, have, have you seen any supply chain problems personally in your life? 
Um, let's see. I mean, um, we are considering a new car and are finding out that it's going to be a number of months before that car is likely to get here. So, um, so that's one. And I know that my parents have been waiting for a dryer for the better part of a year, I think, at this point. So, you know, there are these targeted things like this that, um, you know, that are certainly causing people pain. Uh, and, and I think that has to, a lot of that has to do with some things that happened fairly early on in the pandemic um, with the, the, the huge economic disruption that happened in March and April. And then all of a sudden, a lot of people realizing that they still had some money to spend and wanted to spend it on things that went in their house or were personally used and not on vacations and restaurants and things. And I think we're still seeing a lot of the impacts of that. So, Jake Dean, you make it sound like demand is a cause for some of these disruptions. Mm-hmm, absolutely. Uh, and, and so when how how do you weigh the supply chain against consumer demand? Well, I mean, the, the demand is one thing. Supply chain is balancing demand and supply, right? And so if you look at what happened way back, it seems, you know, it's hard to believe it was almost two years ago at this point. But March of, 20, uh, March of 2020, nearly everybody thought that there was going to be a huge economic contraction. And there was one for a month, maybe two months, as a huge sector of the economy that um, relied on people going out and interacting, restaurants, bars, movie theaters, travel, all that just went almost to zero. And so there was, you know, everybody smart was saying, this is going to be a long-term economic disruption. And they said, in the, on the business world, they said, okay, we're not going to need the thousand things we thought we we're going to need 500 and they sent that signal back into their supply chain so there was a huge contraction of forecast in march april maybe even into may 2020 and then as many people realized that they were still working and getting paid they started to buy things and so that huge swing in demand one from a contracted place right because companies slashed their forecasts and then demand for a lot of things particularly home goods went well above anything people had seen before and then so you have this huge swing and the companies were had to figure out, what do I do with this? How do I satisfy all these orders? And there just isn't a huge amount of extra capacity in the global supply chain because extra capacity costs money. So um, we've been trying to squeeze all this stuff through the supply chain, all these, you know, starting with uh, more goods for your house. And then that has knock-on effects to just random other things like Girl Scout cookies, like chicken, like cream cheese just because that happens to be an unlucky one that can't get the finite supply chain resources. Hmm. So, Jake, in, is Wisconsin better or worse than other parts of the country right now? I, I, I think it's about the same. I, I mean, I think that the problem, you know, when I look at things that are made or produced um, in Wisconsin, we have a lot of agriculture, we have a lot of manufacturing. I don't think any of those things have made those headlines because sometimes they're not direct to consumer. Um, but I think that the, the problem is, they're just certain things in Wisconsin can be the victim of, well, there's just not enough capacity to move or make this particular thing or process this thing. And so it's going to be the thing that gets delayed. And I've talked to people who can't find pallets on which to pack their things. I've talked to people in um, food and beverage who can't get cans, um, manufacturers who can't get certain supplies. And it's just, it's kind of the luck of the draw at this point as to what gets going and what doesn't, what gets, um, what gets delayed and what gets through. The luck of the draw. Jake Dean is the director of the Granger Center for Supply Chain Management at UW-Madison. Have you noticed a shortage of products at stores? Are you seeing empty or near-empty shelves? Have you tried to order things online only to find that they were back-ordered or out of stock? 
And if you work in retail, how bad has the supply chain disruption affected your product line? Interested to hear from you this morning before the hour is done at 1-800-642-1234. You can always email us, ideas at WPR.org. I'm Lee Rayburn, and it's The Morning Show on the Ideas Network. We're following the supply chain this morning, from raw materials to our store shelves, and uncovering a world of interdependent markets that often rely on the slimmest of margins to get by. It's the morning show on the Ideas Network. I'm Lee Rayburn, and while the supply of goods may be the focus, our undeterred demand for them may be the real surprise. So what have you seen in the store? What have you been missing on the shelves? And maybe more importantly, how has scarcity in the pandemic challenged your ability to make a living? What does this global supply chain matter? Why does this global supply chain matter so much to the family budget? 1-800-642-1234. To join our conversation with our guest, Jake Dean, the director of the Granger Center for Supply Chain Management at UW-Madison. And Jake, you've talked a little bit about the hustle and bustle behind the scenes in the supply chain to make sure that the uh, stores are stocked. And you see, take an optimistic view of what's on the shelves right now and also see some of the chaos behind it and talk about some of the shortages we may not see as consumers like pallets. And it also brings to mind the uh, some of the images we've seen of shipping boats with cargo unable to get into the ports of California. Uh, one method of transportation seeing supply chain delays. Which product delivery methods are struggling right now? Well, I, I think it goes back to what I was saying before that it's it's really a, a combination of things. I mean, the the, the ships waiting to to uh, unload in Los Angeles has been a great, I think. Um, metric for the, the supply chain difficulties, but um, because I think it's the most visible, but there are other knock-on effects to that that mean that um, road capacity gets bunched up in certain places and as does rail. So I think um, shipping is the most visible and is probably the most um, inflexible because there is so many, there are so many containers on one individual ship that it's kind of, it's a, it's a large amount of stuff all that, that can only get unloaded at one time. Whereas once it gets put on um, rail or, or, or road, those, those units are much smaller. So they're carrying uh, fewer things. So the, I think the, the ships are the most um, visible one, but I don't think you can't have ships in isolation because once it leaves a ship, it goes probably on a train or on a truck. And then from there, um, things, can, things can be difficult as well. The story out of Wisconsin yesterday was our unemployment hit a record low of 2.8%. Uh, it, what role does labor play in our supply chain? A huge role. And, and that's, you know, it's really almost the, the, the perfect storm of things when you have all these structural things in a supply chain and all that demand that I talked about coming out of the pandemic and the, um, the, the freight shortages and the, and the slowdowns there. And then when you layer onto that a really, really, really tight labor market, which I, I wish I knew the answer to, but I don't, um, it's, it's just a knock-on effect. And now you add on um, COVID-related absenteeism because people, if you test positive, you're supposed to isolate for five or 10 days. It just, it really creates a difficult situation because a lot of the supply chain at this point relies on people moving things or driving trucks or unloading shelves or, or loading shelves at a grocery store. It's, it's, it's very challenging. And very complicated, a lot of moving pieces and parts. So it, when you're trying to shore up 
your supply chain. Uh, how, you know, how long ahead in the future do you have to look and, and how, you know, how much work goes into just getting the ball rolling and hoping it doesn't stop? That's a, that's a really interesting question. So I, I talked a little bit about earlier that there isn't a huge amount of excess capacity in the global supply chain because why would you build capacity that you don't think you're going to need, right? Why would the average American family with two parents and two kids have a five or six bedroom house, right? It's the same kind of thing. You don't want to incur those costs if you don't think you're going to need them. So there isn't a huge amount of capacity in that supply chain. And to meaningfully increase that is a really long time. You're talking about things like building more freight terminals, buying more ships, um, buying more containers, hiring more people. And one thing that that capital money that costs a lot of that costs a lot and that could be infeasible for for some companies and two i don't think anybody really knows once we get to the other side of this whether we're going to need this again right there's a huge excess of stuff moving through the supply chain right now because of this the the demand behavior we've seen over the last year and a half but after that's all clear and maybe that's going to be six months maybe that's going to be a year are we going to see that again um, you know, no one really knows the answer to that question. So um, people aren't rushing to spend a bunch of extra money to invest in um, a, a very capital intensive supply chain to satisfy demand they don't know that they're going to have. Economic uncertainty. Uncertainty seems to play a big role here Absolutely. in trying to figure it out. And, and so with that in mind, Jake, are there certain items that are more affected by the supply chain disruptions than others? Well, I, and I think one that, that truly is a big disruption that has, that has gotten some good news coverage is the semiconductor situation and its, and its effect on cars. Semiconductors, even in the best of times, have a very long lead time, um, you know, six months or more between when you would order and when you would receive them. And the increasing number of things that use semiconductors, and particularly cars, um, and then particularly what we all thought was going to happen to the demand for cars back in early 2020, where we Nobody was going anywhere, so why would you need a car? But then on the other side of that, it turned out that everybody wanted a car because they didn't <laughs> want to take the bus anymore or um, for, for other reasons. And so that big swing in demand on something with such a long lead time like that, um, and that is a very complex manufacturing process, most of which is concentrated in Taiwan, um, that's a really hard thing to overcome. So that is one targeted shortage that I, we're, it's going to be with us for a while for, for till that can really get back to a, a period of, of sustained um, demand fulfillment. Jake Dean is our guest. He's the director of the Granger Center for Supply Chain Management at UW-Madison, and there's still time to hear from you before the hour is done at 1-800-642-1234. Whether you work in retail, manufacturing, or you're part of the shipping industry, what are you seeing in the supply chain, and how is it affecting your line of work? 1-800-642-1234. What are some of the solutions that you are seeing, Jake Dean, as, as supply chain managers try to work to unclog the system? Well, a big thing that companies have been embarking on kind of since we realized this was a problem was what we would call regionalization. So instead of manufacturing everything in one place, because that is the most efficient place, the cheapest place, the most cost-effective place to make something, companies are saying, maybe I can make that there, but maybe I can also make that somewhere else, uh, maybe two other places. And what that does is it gives you a backup in case, um, one, you need more capacity, or two, um, any one of those areas where you're making something um, goes down for some reason, uh, a COVID outbreak or a natural disaster or, or something. So some of the behavior that I'm seeing when I talk to companies is uh, a shift from absolutely focusing on the lowest cost and um, assigning a lot of value and a lot of weight to that 
to more of a focus on how resilient can we be? How, um, how can we recover from shocks? And companies making investment decisions that prioritize resilience and flexibility maybe more than absolutely the lowest cost. So I, th I think that's a shift that's going on in, in the background. But again, that you can't just open up a factory overnight. So it's going to take a while for decisions like that to, um, uh, to, to, to bear fruit. And I think one other thing that companies are doing is looking back to their suppliers and saying, it's really risky for me to buy this thing that I need from only one company. So I'm going to try to find a couple of other companies that can do that as well, um, which is harder than it sounds because if everybody is doing that, uh, it can be difficult to find available stuff for you to buy. But it's, it's another thing that companies are doing more so than they have in the past. Jake Dean, thank you so much for joining us this morning. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. Jake's the director of the Granger Center for Supply Chain Management at UW-Madison uh, and took a look today at our store shelves, seeing an optimistic perspective of what we're seeing as consumers, but also the hustle and bustle behind the scenes. Hey, it's Friday, and that means we'll be cooking on Central Time later this afternoon. That starts at 3. Join Rob Ferret today for Food Friday. He'll be embracing all of his cooking imperfections and practicing some self-care in the kitchen with some cold-weather classics, some comfort foods, and a little sous-chef help from you. Central Time starts at 3 today here on the Ideas Network. Just ahead is the news, then we dig into education programs for talented and gifted students. Should accelerated programs exist for advanced students? Who benefits from them? And what should a student's, when should a student skip a grade? We'll find out next. I'm Lee Rayburn, and you're listening to The Morning Show here on the Ideas Network.